Our scripture this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 12 through 28. Last year, on Easter Sunday, we started this great resurrection chapter, 1 Corinthians 15, and I expect we'll work our way through it over the next couple of years on Easter Sunday, and then we'll move on. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, beginning with verse 12. Would you please stand for the reading of <coughs> Scripture? Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We're even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you're still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. <clears throat> but each in his own order. Christ the firstfruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when he says all things are put into subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. May God add his richest blessing to the reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? <coughs> Our Father in heaven, once again we come before you. We come before your word and pray that you would come by the power of your spirit, that you would speak to us, that you would open our eyes, that we would see our Lord Jesus Christ high and lifted up, that you would open our ears, that we would hear the voice of our good shepherd and know him and follow him, that you would open our hearts to receive him, that we might offer our hearts to him promptly and sincerely. Lord, come and meet with each of us where we are and tell us exactly what it is we need to hear. There's nothing hidden from you. You know our hurts. You know our hearts. You know our secrets. You know our sins. Nothing is hidden from you, for all things are laid bare before you. So come as only you can and tell us what we need to hear. Whether it is a word of encouragement and comfort 
a word of conviction, or even a word of conversion, come and speak to us now in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. We pray in Jesus' name and for his glory. Amen. Be seated, please. Gloom, despair, and agony on me, deep, dark depression, excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Gloom, despair, and agony on me. If you do not recognize those words, I am so sorry. You don't know what you have missed. I'm a child of the 1980s, and every Saturday night at my grandma Zoni's house, we always watched that great program, Hee Haw. And I expect most of you remember Roy Clark, Grandpa Jones, and a couple others put on their straw hats and their overalls and hold their jugs and sing gloom, despair, and agony on me. But we won't be singing it here this morning. I'm not saying that Christians never get gloomy or depressed, never experience sadness or grief. That's ridiculous. Christians prone to being down as much as anybody. But look at verse 19. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. The authorized King James Bible says that if we have hope in this Christ only, we are of all men most miserable. If our hope in Jesus Christ does not go beyond this life, we are the most miserable people, the most pathetic people on earth, and we ought to do nothing but sit around and sing gloom, despair, and agony on me. But we're not. Let's see why. First in this passage, you see an empty life. An empty life. Look at verse 12. Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. If there is no resurrection, Paul says, then our preaching, that is the message of the gospel, is vain. And our faith is vain. Now vain means simply Empty, futile. The old preacher of Ecclesiastes defined it as chasing after the wind. There's nothing there, nothing to hold on to. If there is no resurrection, this is all meaningless. There are churches all across this land that will gather on this Easter Sunday morning whose pulpits are filled with people who do not believe Jesus really rose from the dead. They will say it means something, but it was not a physical reality. Like the story of the 
old boy who cried wolf. Who knows if there ever was such a boy. The point is that the lesson is not to holler for help when you got no problem. But the resurrection of Jesus is not an inspirational folk tale with a moral. If that's all it is, it's not inspirational at all. It's empty. If there is no resurrection, there is no gospel. There is no good news. Look at verse 17. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. Paul says if Christ has not really been raised from the dead, we have two problems. First, we are still in our sins. And second, those who have fallen asleep or have died in Christ have perished. They've gone forever. Now let's think about that first problem. We're still in our sins. Now there's a little blurb that gets on the back of our uh, bulletin Uh, every Easter that uh, says this means that we have forgiveness of our sin. That's true. But when Paul talks about being in our sin, still being in our sin, he's talking about more than our need for forgiveness, which we absolutely and desperately need. Look at verse 21. For as by a man came death, by a man has come also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ shall all be made alive. Death came through a man, Adam. Death came through his sin. And the wages of sin is death. You remember when Adam sinned and God came to him and Eve in the Garden of Eden and cursed them. You remember what God told Adam. You came from the dust and to the dust you shall return. The death and decomposition of the body and its return to the dust of the earth That is the wages of sin. Now here's the thing. Some folks believe. I expect some folks in Corinth believed that the spirit is imprisoned by the body and needs to be set free. So you die, the spirit goes to heaven and that's it. The body's gone forever. You know what's wrong with that? I mean, besides the fact that it's just plain wrong to any plain reading of the Bible. Look at verse 25. For he must reign until he has put all, all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. You see, if the body dies and returns to dust and that's it, then death has won on that front. The devil has beat God on that point. It's almost as if to say, well, God, he gets the spirit. Devil gets the body. We'll call it a draw. It doesn't work that way. 
If the body remains in the earth forever, then the body is still under the power, under the dominion of sin. As in Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive. He came to rectify everything that Adam had destroyed. The old Christmas hymn says it. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. If the salvation we have in Jesus Christ does not extend to our bodies, then His blessings do not flow as far as the curse is found. Because any of us over 30 years old can attest that our bodies are cursed. Second problem. Christ is not raised. There's no resurrection. All who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Purchase a home. You may take out a 15-year loan. Hope you don't have a 30-year mortgage. God help you if you do. Might want to read Dave Ramsey's book, Total Money Makeover, and think about that a while. But you know, if you you make just the scheduled payments every month on time for 14 years, and then that last year you default, you don't owe your home. Own your home. You'll lose it. And Paul is saying, if Jesus has paid for all of it except the resurrection of the body, he has not purchased all of our salvation. He's defaulted. Yesterday, I buried one of my closest and dearest friends on this earth. Her husband of 58 years looked at me when it was over with tears in his eyes, put his arms around me, and thanked me for the nice things I said about his wife. Paul says, if there's no resurrection, it's over. All over. If all I could do was say a few nice words about the deceased. Why am I drawing a salary with a benefits package? Paul says our preaching is in vain if there is no resurrection. You see an empty life. And secondly and finally in this passage, you see two Empty tombs. Two empty tombs. Look at verse 20. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First empty tomb. Christ has been raised from the dead. Paul had said if there is no resurrection and Christ has not been raised. We are of all men most miserable. But then comes the beloved adversative conjunction, but. 
however, nevertheless. In other words, that's irrelevant because it's not true. Christ has been raised from the dead. He really rose in the same body in which he was crucified. His body was recognizable. You remember Thomas said, I will not believe unless I see and touch the scars from the nails that held him to the cross. And Jesus appeared to him and said, Reach forth thine hand and touch the scars of the nails that held me to the cross. He was in the same body. He was recognizable and yet he was transformed. He could pass through the stone that sealed the tomb. The angel didn't roll the stone away to let Jesus out. He rolled the stone away so everyone could see he'd already come out through the stone. He could appear to his disciples behind locked doors. He could appear with travelers on the road to Emmaus and then be somewhere else. He could ascend into heaven. The same body but completely transformed. Christ has been raised. That's the first empty tomb but more. The second empty tomb He says in verse 20 that Christ has been raised the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. You plant a crop. Some of you got your garden in on Good Friday. Say you plant a patch or a field of silver queen. It's a little bit late for that. Although it doesn't feel like it is morning. There's got to be a first ear of corn made in that field. whole lot of corn going to make and it will all be silver queen just like the very first ear to come in. Christ has been raised from the dead the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. He's the first to come in of the resurrection harvest. We will be just like him. But I want you to see one last thing about these two empty tombs. Paul here, he's arguing forward from the resurrection of Jesus to our resurrection because he was raised. We will finally be raised. But look at what he says in verse 13. But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. Look at verse 16. For if the dead are not raised... Not even Christ has been raised. You see, there he argues not from the resurrection of Jesus to ours, but from our resurrection to his. 
In other words, if we won't be raised, He was not raised. Jesus Christ will not be raised without His people. He will not be without His people. He said, Father, I will that those whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am, and He will not rise and not raise His people. What happened to Him? All the blessings He earned by His perfect obedience and death He shares it all with us who are united to Him by faith. In Adam, all die. In Christ, shall all be made alive. My friends, we were born in Adam. We're all by nature in Adam. We're all sinners. We're all going to die. You see, Adam is the default mode of the human race. All we had to do to be in Adam was simply to be conceived. But to be in Christ, you have to come to Him. Receive Him. Be joined, united to Him by faith. Have you come to Jesus Christ by faith? Have you transferred out of Adam and the dominion of sin and death into the glorious kingdom of Jesus Christ? Have you? Or will it be only gloom, despair, and agony? forever. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.